My life verse is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, give your request to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now, there are two parts to this verse that are important. First of all, when you go to God with your anxiety and you ask him to help you and you pray to him, you have to remember to give thanks. And then in return, the peace that surpasses all understanding comes flooding back. When I have difficulty with anxiety, when things are too difficult for me to handle by myself, I go to God with prayer. Like when my mom and dad were sick and my mom passed away, or when Wheels' mom was sick and she passed away, the anxiety that I had dealing with the different family members made it impossible for me to handle. So I had to go to God with prayer. I laid it on the altar. And then he gave me the peace. And the peace from God is such a gift. That's why this is my life verse. You guys pray with me. God, I thank you for our time together. Father, I thank you for a Sunday morning, Lord, and an online experience, an in-person experience. Father, I thank you for opportunities to experience you through your word. Father, to experience the Holy Spirit that you've left us with to use your word to impact us, to grow us, to make us more like your son. Father, I pray that whether we're watching from in a room or in a car or a bed, wherever it is, Father, Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you make this in our human efforts supernatural because of the power that can raise Jesus from the dead is at live and at work now and forevermore. In your name, Jesus, amen. I've, uh, like many, many human beings, I spend a lot of time at home now. I'm kind of quarantined there, if you will, because of America. And, uh, and so I have a coffee table in my living room. And on my coffee table, I have this really cool book. And uh, it's the book I got uh, when I retired uh, from youth ministry and took the demotion uh, to become a lead pastor. And, uh, and so I, I was a youth pastor at Bayside Chapel for like nine years. And I was a, a Sue Langworthy, uh, Wheels Langworthy. And, uh, and at the end, they gave me this book a nice coffee table book with a whole bunch of memories from our years uh, in the youth ministry. It's a super cool, super sweet book and a lot of, a lot of great memories, uh, with, especially with Sue and Wheels. They were there since the very beginning. Uh, one, of the, one of my, uh, if you just have to know about Sue Langworthy, she is great at saving lives. Uh, maybe not like as a lifeguard, uh, but here's, here's some. When I first got to the youth ministry, this, they had one of these boards there. Uh, this, is, uh, this is called a balance board. I knew it as like an Indu board or something like that, but you can call it like a fitness board if you want to look it up on Amazon and whatnot. It's also known as a one-way ticket to Deathville uh, board. And, uh, and so there's this little thing, a balancing thing, and uh, you would just put the board on here. And in the youth ministry, like people would use it all the time. Uh, I usually was that punk uh, middle school boy or that punk high school boy that saw that cute little girl over in the corner and they're like, ooh, a board. I'm going to impress her with my balancing skills because that's how you went over every girl. And so they would jump over, jump onto this board. And, and the gym that I, we were having youth group in was like a th very thin little carpet, but cement. Uh, so it wasn't like there was a cushion underneath. Uh, and they would jump on and they would balance and they would be like thumbs up to the girl. And as soon as they would give the thumbs up, they would then, you know, their feet would come out from under them and they would fall on their butt, bruised ego, broken arms and whatnot. It was too Langworthy. Uh, bless her heart. That was like, because Wheels and I, you have to know Wheels and I too. Like you have to know like, if we're like, hey, we're going to put this out there and if you break your butt, that's on you. Like you're the idiot that got on it and like that's your fault. But Sue was like, hey, like three broken bones and like cracked ribs. Like 
shouldn't do this. And so finally, we, we retired it, and Sue saved a lot of lives by convincing us to retire it. Uh, but isn't this how life feels for all of us right now? Like, in the beginning of 2020, we felt like we were on stable ground. We felt like everything was good, and then all of a sudden, boom, we're on a balancing board. And now it's like, this is like this is what life feels like. And all of a sudden, like, we're, oh, 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 finances are getting okay, now we're in, uh, and then, whoop, our feet come out from under us. Or families kind of like, oh, our kids are going back to school. I can finally focus on work. And then, whoop, they're not. Uh, like, it's, it, we're balancing, we're balancing, we're balancing. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, our health is in place. And then all of a sudden, oh, they, somebody, I, I, I'm a quarantined. Like, we're, we're all balancing life right now. We all feel like we're trying to find stability. But if we're looking any place but Christ, life will always feel like this. Life will always leave us broken and on our butts. I think it's Sue's intention, our intention, my intention, to say the only way that we're going to find a firm footing is to put our firm footing on the foundation of Jesus Christ, to have Jesus be the foundation. We have young people that, that young in the faith, not only young in age, but young in the faith that, that love the balancing act, love trying to balance life. It's fun until you have a broken bone. And so many of us, we were having fun balancing life, but now we're at a point where we're like, no, I just want to feel stable. I'm done trying to balance life. Help me find some stability. The only way you're going to find it is by finding Jesus Christ, and he brings true stability. Here's what our passage says. Let me, let me remind you of it. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, Paul's writing this from jail. He could write to anybody, but he writes to these people, and, and he longs for them. He cares about them. Here's what I want you to know. Stand firm thus in Buddha. No. In Muhammad. No. Stand firm in your parents' faith. Nope. Stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I said it last week. I'll say it again. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is seeking sand. That's what I want you to know. If you're watching online, if you're sitting in this room, I want you to know this one thought for this experience, our firm Jesus, very firm Jesus, our rock of Jesus, our firm Jesus is our firm standing. Like many of you, I'm, I'm quarantined to my house because of culture, not literally quarantined right now, but, but we're all at our house more. Like you, I'm interacting with my wife more than I ever thought I would. I'm interacting more with my kids more than I ever thought I would. And if Jesus is real, if Jesus is good for something, it's in times like this. I believe that Jesus, my firm Jesus, is my firm standing. And so I'm going to, I want to apply this to three different areas that I think Paul brings up. And I want to invite you into a conversation that I'm having in my household. Because this matters. And Jesus brings stability. It's applicable first. Our firm Jesus is our firm standing. It's first. It's applicable within our relationships. I entreat you some name. I entreat you some name. Whatever. I entreat you, these two ladies, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. So these aren't just, oh, these are just two gossips. No, these are laborers of Jesus, women of value, women that he's holding in high regard because they have labored with the gospel. 
together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul doesn't tell us what the issue is. But Paul, I know Paul, attacks major issues. Like you can just read the book of Galatians. Paul is not afraid to, to, to lay things out and say exactly how it is. And so this is probably a minor issue. This is probably something that isn't that big of a deal. Otherwise, Paul would bring it out. It's probably something small. Like, you know how people are, right? Like, it's like they gave somebody a side look and that went wrong. And all of a sudden, like, something small and it's a big deal. Like, you ever heard two people fight and you're unbiased and you're like, you're fighting about what? Paul's bringing this out. And, and, and they're in the midst of a disagreement that's likely small that's been made into a huge, huge disagreement. And he's not addressing it like in the regards of like you're right and you're wrong. He's addressing them both equally and encouraging them to come to a common attitude. Not that I, I, I encourage you to agree in the Lord. He's not encouraging them. He's not encouraging, hey, you know what? I know she's wrong, but I just need you to agree. Agree with something that's false. Agree with something that's wrong. No, what he's bringing out is an attitude that says, I value my opinion. I just don't value having opinion over a value of a person. I don't value my opinion more than I value people. So have a common attitude. Work towards agreement. And when that doesn't work, the church must get involved. He's writing a letter that would be read out loud to an entire church, and he just put two ladies by name on blast to be read in front of the whole congregation. They're probably standing there in the midst of this letter being read out loud, and he's calling on the church to get involved. So when we think that we can fight amongst our other Christians and the church. It's not the church's business. It is. And we are to come alongside each other to help us grow to be more like Jesus Christ. And so he alerts the church to this problem to bring intervention, not gossip, to protect the integrity of the body, to help bring to a place of restoration and, 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 and protection. Why? Because the gospel's involved. Why? These are laborers in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the blood of the lamb, my sacrifice, Jesus Christ, has washed over their sin, has washed over my sin. Their name is in a literal book for heaven where my name is. They're children of God. They're sons and daughters of the king, as I'm a son of the king. And so I'm going to work towards restoration and respect. Why? Because it matters. Because they matter. And I'm to respect them. So let's, this is how it plays out in my house, this type of a conversation. Brady, named after the best quarterback of all time, playing tonight against Drew Brees. Come up here for a second. <laughs> Brady will come to me. Uh, what? Stop it. Uh, don't trip me. I'm preaching. People are watching. Uh, all right. So, so Brady will come to me. We're at home. I'll be working at a coffee table. This will be, this would be my commentary on my tablet. My computer would be right here. Kids are home all the time. Kids are home. And, and so I'll be working and Brady will come to me and, and he'll be like, Landon, 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 Landon. And he'll have like that. Like it's not exactly a little, it's a little bit like that. No. Okay. No, not at all. No. In my house, he comes to me and says, sir, daddy, Landon was being really mean to me, and, and I just, like, no, like, okay, like, okay, no, no, that's in your house. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, I'm the only house. Okay, anyways, but he'll come to me complaining about his brother, 
expecting me to say, well, you know what? Let's kick him out and send him to Todd's house. He's done. <laughs> nope. What's the first thing I say to him every single time? No, don't stop chirping me. He'll, he'll, he'll say to me, I'll say to him, I'm sorry. Did you talk to your brother yet? Nope. 99% of the time, the answer is no. Well, then go talk to your brother. You two work it out. And then he'll leave, and I'll hear him scream, Landon, Dad said we have to talk. <laughs> sometimes it works out, but sometimes it doesn't. Landon, come up here for a second. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And sometimes then I have to get involved. And I'll, and I'll stand up with them, and, and we'll talk, and, and I'll say, like, Landon, sometimes you can be like this, and you need to own this. And you need to own this in this situation. Brady, sometimes you can be like this and you need to own this in the situation. Sometimes, Brady, you said your brother punched you, but you left out that you threw his tablet across the room. So it's not quite the way you made it sound at the very beginning. Sounds like you both have something to work on. Now, in the context of what's being said here, when Brady first comes to me with his proverbial back to his brother... He's coming to me in gossip. The last person to speak controls the commentary. Imagine if I acted only on what he said. That's gossip. It destroys. It, it, it desires to dig a grave for that person which I'm gossiping about. So he comes to me, and what is my job as somebody who's looking to shoulder, shoulder the load for them? I have to have both their shoulders in reach, and I have to guide them towards each other for them to work it out. And for them to come to some sort of restoration, why? They're brothers. Why? This matters. Why? They're each of equal value. You guys can have a seat or go back to the kids area. Thanks. And that's what gossip does. So for gossip, how are your relationships getting stronger? When you think about your relationship in the church, are they, are they getting stronger? Are they right? What work are you putting into making your relationship stronger and right? Or are we given over to gossip? Are we giving over to gossip? It could be a straight-up lie. It could be a half-truth. I hit my brother, but I don't want you to know what I did in return. My brother hit me. You dig a grave for somebody. You distort the truth. Or you, you, you speak the truth, but you're speaking the truth to somebody that you know has really negative assumptions and is going to take it one way and one way only. These are all elements that can be used to tear down the church. It's the adult version of telephone. Telephone, you ever play telephone? Imagine if I said right here, Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America. That's true. Do you think, if, you, if I said it to Heather, Heather said it and, and all the way down, do you think that would be the exact same thing that's get set, that gets said in the back of the room? I think it's going to be different along the ways. And then you get to the end, and that comment's going to be said, and they're going to all, all, you would all turn around, you would hear the comment in the back of the room, and then you would flip around and you would look at me. Is that what you said? You said what? You think what? Last person to speak controls the commentary. It tears down the church. We are to pursue community. We're supposed to lift each other up. If we have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ, that's one of the things we value. That's what we want to do. As men and women of followers of Jesus Christ, we encourage each other to pursue community. We want to find community that's encouraging to my faith, not tearing down the faith. Right. Community isn't my faith. Right. Community, if you look to other people to build up your faith, to have that firm foundation, community is made up of broken people 
But as men and women that love Jesus Christ, and that is our firm foundation, we don't look to community to build our faith, to be our faith. We look to community to help us grow. If we're doing this right, if we're helping each other grow in Christ Jesus, ergo, we will then grow. And so he goes on to say, he goes on to say, uh, our firm Jesus is, is our firm standing, a firm foundation. It's, it's ap- this is applicable, and not only in our relationships, but also within our anxiety. He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. And I think Paul and the Holy Spirit that's helping him write this literally means everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in our conversation, in my household, I have conversations about anxiety on the reg. All the time, we're talking about anxiety. Now, I'm not a very anxious person. My kids aren't very anxious people. But I married a very anxious person. So Ava, can you come up here? She's not like clinically uh, anxious or anything like that, but, but she, she's, an, she's given over to anxiety. So come on up here. Bring that poster board. She's you know, in our house. So bring that up. And, uh, and so I'm going to walk through this, this section of the passage a little bit. I'm just going to have Ava write down some things because I, this is kind of a litmus test for us. If you're given over to any sort of anxiety, that I'm, she's going to write something on here, three little phrases, a, 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 big, uh, a big greater than sign, and then anxiety because we're going to create a litmus test that's going to help us funnel through our anxiety and, and, and whatnot. So first, he, he, he talks about that we can rejoice. Rejoice in what? Rejoice in the Lord. Have you ever been searching around for something that was on your head? Have you ever been searching around for your glasses? Freaking out. Blaming your kids. And it's on your head. Have you ever been freaking out? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Well, it's in your jacket pocket, you dummy. The Jesus in you is always with you. The Jesus in you is always with you. So sometimes we freak out and really we just need to look within. When we forget about the Jesus that is in us, we are then given over to worry. If we remember the Jesus in us, then we can rejoice. We can find joy that Jesus, as a child of God, literally walks where I walk. Can you write down, rejoice for me? That's something that we can always find joy in, that Jesus walks wherever I walk. Now, when we forget that, we go to a place of worry. Worry is living like a future possibility is a current reality. Worry is living like a future possibility is a current reality. And you know what that is? What he says, unreasonable. Let your reasonableness be be known to everybody. It's unreasonable to think, well, you know what? X, Y, Z is going to happen in 13 years. And to live as if that's a current reality? It's reasonable to deal with what's right in front of you. Can you write unreasonable there for in a second? But, but God did give us common sense. We're not to live unconcerned. So he's given us things like alarms. Like, oh, I'm not gonna, I don't have to worry about my house burning down every second of the day. I buy a smoke detector. I buy a CO2 detector. I have a ring that I can see what's going on at my house. I, if I don't, I don't have to worry about missing an appointment. Am I going to, I don't know, I never remember to feed my dog. It's, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Hey Siri, remind me at two o'clock to feed my dog. And then I put my phone down. But a worrisome person is concerned about everything, has all the alarms in the world, and still chooses to worry. Has all the alarms, rightfully, great inventions, has all of the alarms in the world, 
but is constantly checking their phone. Is it time to feed the dog yet? Is it time to feed the dog yet? Living in a ball of anxiety. Instead of having the right alarms, the, the right procedures, to then do what? What does Paul talk about? Make time to go to prayer. Make time to remember your Jesus. Make time to talk with Jesus. Can you write 2T prayer? Because in our prayer, we're, we're thankful. God, thank you so much for X, Y, Z. Very helpful for an anxious person to remember gratitude. And then secondly, where are you going? You're not going to Buddha. You're not going to Gandhi. You're not going to your spouse. You're not going to X, Y, Z first. You're going to God. You're going to the only one that can take care of the problem. The God that is in you is always walking with you. And that God, the only thing, here's what can be said of him. Cast your anxiety upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares about you. The, in Psalms, that the Lord, the cast, your, um, the cast your cares upon the Lord because he will sustain you. That can't be said of any human. Yes, there are some humans that care about me. There are some humans that help sustain me, but they are broken. And at some point, they won't show the care that I need. At some point, they won't sustain me like I need them to sustain me. And so the only one that this can be said of is God Almighty, the heavens, uh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And so we go to him to go to anybody else's insulting, to go to anybody else that is flawed by nature, to go to them first to fix something that's God's to fix. It's insulting. So to go to God shows and communicates our trust for God. You can't take a step without God being involved for those that live in Christ Jesus. And so we walk with him. We pray. And when we pray, we know his presence. And when we know his presence, we know his peace. And then you can face today, you can face 2020, you can face 2021, you can face every single day. And as a Christian, you become a walking, talking, living, breathing testimony to the peace of God that no one else can understand. You don't even understand. How do I have peace? How, do, how does Ava and I do our jobs when our kids are homeschooled? You know what? Big old joke, virtual school, P.S. Like a lot of teachers, you are... You said my kids were great in school. You are a bloody liar. That is not true. They are a nightmare. It is a nightmare. We get all anxious. Ava and I were talking about this last night. Can you make the greater than sign and then anxiety? Yeah, big one. Yeah. Well, first service, it was a little teeny. Um, okay, good. Okay. Yeah, that was good. Bold. Okay, anxiety. Okay. Everybody's watching. Okay, so here's what we want to do. Hold this up. If there's anybody else anxious in this room, just pay attention for a second, okay? Um, if you're not anxious, just start texting and whatnot. Um, okay, so if you're anxious, let's just walk through how this applies to everyday life, okay? So Ava and I were talking last night, thinking about the sermon and whatnot, and we're like, where do you most need to apply this litmus test of anxiety as Jesus is your firm foundation, all that type of stuff? She's like, well, work. I'm an anxious person. Do you know what my job is? I was like, yeah, I know very well what your job is. She's a real estate appraiser. And so she, she, she gives the value of homes. And so she can't control the work that comes in. She applies to different companies and they send her work. She's not the one in charge of being sent work. So she can't control that. But she gets anxious when work doesn't come in as she wants work to come in. But she has no control over that. She, she also has to do reports that, that gives the value of her property. And she can be sued if she does it wrong. And so she has a level of anxiety if she was to do a, a report wrong and they were to then turn around and sue her or take her license away. She's like, I, I, I picked the absolute wrong career as a person that's a ball of anxiety to be a real estate appraiser. And so we, we kind of walk through that. Okay, well, let's, let's walk through this litmus test. You, let's, let's, okay, what can you rejoice over? 
Well, I can rejoice over Pastor Jason uh, that I am a child of God. That, that the God who said your biggest need is a broken relationship because of your sin, and I'm going to send my son, and I'm going to fix by the blood of the lamb, I'm going to fix that relationship. Well, you're a child of God. God cares deeply about you. You can rejoice in that. You can take joy in that always. Okay, well, it's, what's unreasonable? Now, Ava and I, have not, we've never had this conversation where I've had to look at her and be like, you're being unreasonable. That's never, ever happened. <laughs> but let's just pretend it has. What's unreasonable in your anxiety? Well, I would look at her and be like, Ava, like, you sometimes, not always, most of the times your reports are perfect. But in the event that you make a boo-boo, doesn't the company write you back and say, hey, we need a revision? And I think you're batting 100% where you've made the revision and everything's worked out. So you're going to be anxious about a report not being perfect when it's always worked out? You're going to be anxious about... You're going to be anxious about the, the jobs coming in when you have zero control of that. Have you applied to every company you can? Yeah. Can you do anything to create more jobs coming your way? Nope. Okay. So it's out of your control? Okay. Sounds like it's unreasonable to get anxious about something that's completely out of your control. Okay, so then we go to prayer. We were talking about this last time. We go to prayer. Ava, did Sue Langworthy not help you get this job? Yep, she helped me get this job. I text Sue Langworthy all the time. Not all the time, but occasionally. Rarely ever do I get a response. Ava calls her on the reg. Always responds. So Sue Langworthy always has time for Ava because she's invested into Ava, and she's a great, great friend. So do, can we be thankful for that? Oh, and, and P.S. Ava, when you have an issue with a report, do you go to Sue before you go to God? Maybe you should reverse that. Go to God. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Go to God. Show him your trust. Give, your, give it over to him, and then call Sue Langworthy. Can we be thankful that we've never wanted, that there's never been like, oh, I don't know if food's going to make it on the table? Can we be thankful that God's always taking care of us? Can we be thankful that, you know what, if you go two weeks without a paycheck, guess what? It's going to be okay. Let's just be thankful and trust God through the process. So then we walk through all of this, and you know what happens? This magically goes because that's what he said in the word. We rejoice, we find what's unreasonable, and we go, we trust, and we go to gratitude in prayer. Ava, you can have a seat. Thank you so much for putting up with me. Uh, in, if Christ is our firm foundation, what gives the world anxiety with a funnel like that should never give us anxiety. Is our anxiety the same as the world's anxiety? How can this be? We have a God who cares deeply about us and is our firm foundation. So our firm Jesus is our firm foundation, our firm standing. It's applicable uh, within our relationships, within our anxiety. And lastly, it's applicable within our thinking. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What do you have learned and received, heard, seen in me? Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What you think matters, and it matters more than you think. What you think matters, and it matters more than you think. Set your mind on things that are praiseworthy, things that are good, things that are excellent. And you're going to say to me, Jason, there's nothing excellent in this world. The God who died for you lives within you. You always have a place to focus on something praiseworthy. Surrender your thoughts 
to Jesus. Surrendering your thoughts to Jesus means that you're getting fixated on, on the situation or an issue that you is out of your control and you're fixated on it. You're losing sleep over it. What would it look like to say, God, like, my brain capacity is tapped. Yours is never tapped. I'm going to give this over to you. I just need a good night's sleep. Look around to role models in your life, as Paul points out. Emulate leaders that are learning to trust God with their thinking and live by their example, spurring on growth. Turn your attention to praiseworthy, godly examples and then stand firm in the faith. I write these sermons uh, about, I don't actually write them, I study for them about six months ahead of time. And, uh, and so I, I, I was working on this sermon on uh, June 29th. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember June, uh, the month of June uh, 2020. Oh, yeah, it was fun, right? And, uh, and, and for me personally, there was a whole lot going on. It was a, a nightmare. And, uh, and so uh, in June, uh, in, my, in my study, I always start, I have a Google Doc that I work through systematically, and my first question on the Google Doc was, before you do anything, have you prayed about it? And, uh, and I, because I, I, God has to be invited into this process, and so uh, I said, I usually just say yes, date and time, and that's it. Uh, but I, I, this time, as I was reading my sermon notes for this sermon, I wrote a whole paragraph. And I want to read you this paragraph because it, it was like the snapshot into my thinking the day I wrote this sermon. Here's, here's what I wrote. I answered the question, yes, on the 29th as part of my morning walk, and then again as I'm sitting in my rocking chair with Bruin next to me, uh, peaceful, tranquil. Um, I was on my porch. Uh, morning calm. I sit thinking through the text, praying through the text. I have three kids asleep upstairs. I have a good friend about to come down. Uh, from, uh, he's from college. Come down and head over to the well. Uh, my parents are here to help with the kids. I have a wife who's already working. My sprinklers are on. I'm in my rocking chair on my front porch in a quiet neighborhood across from a friend who I've been praying for for a while. And now he's coming to church. He's in a life group. I'm sitting next to my dog who sits quietly and sticks by my side no matter what. God is good, and he's the God of big blessings. The blessed, calm, peaceful life is a matter of perspective. Do I really want more at the cost of all of this? How? Could that be worth it? In that moment as, as chaos, like my kids were going to wake up and it was going to be chaos for the rest of the day. I needed in the morning to wake up, put my attention towards God and praiseworthy things and realize it's all going to be okay. When I struggled through loyalty, I was reminded of a dog who's sitting by my side who literally won't leave my side. Praise God for that. As I was thinking about like my kids and health, I was like, you know, I have three healthy kids sleeping upstairs. When I think about the economy and turmoil, it was my wife that was already working and me already working. When I think about the mission of the church and God, are you still on mission? I have a friend who's across the street who's going to church and involved in the life group and growing in his walk with Jesus. It was perspective that reminded me of blessing. If I were to give you 60 seconds of silence right now, where would your mind go? When you think about your last week, where did your mind go? Did you spend more time this past week thinking about Trump, Biden, politics than you did Jesus? Where does your mind go? Our minds naturally don't think about healthy and good things. If your wife asks you, like my wife does, what are you thinking? What are your emotions right now? What are you feeling? I get to ask that on the reg. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Well, now I've read this text, and I'm going to say, honey, I'm thinking about what is honorable, what is pure, what is true. What is excellent? 
No, I've never said that, okay? That's never, that's never what any of us says, but that's where God is asking us to go. The eyes are the gatekeeper to your mind. So if your mind is out of control, what are your eyes fixated on? Maybe it's time to increase the Bible app and decrease the, the news apps. Maybe it's time to decrease the social media app and increase that encouraging group text that, that is good for your faith. Where you set your mind is going to have an impact, or where you set your eyes is going to have an impact on your mind. Our firm Jesus is our firm standard. It's applicable in our relationships, our anxiety, and with our mind. Pre-COVID, I, uh, my weight was maxed out, so I thought. Uh, I was at the height of where I was comfortable with my weight. Uh, then COVID hit. And I realized that the strong foundation that I had set was not so great, and so I've gained more weight than my maxed allowed weight uh, because there was a big crack in my, uh, in my health that I didn't, I didn't realize. Sometimes life has a way of showing us that our foundation wasn't as strong as we thought. And I think for many of us, we walk in here realizing our foundation isn't as strong as we thought it was. And so that's my challenge to us as we close out this experience. Firm up the foundation what would it look like for you to firm up your foundation, to have that firm standing in Christ Jesus? So we have two opportunities before you, like Graham said uh, in the announcement video. You can, go, you can join in the meantime. What, how, do we, how do we strengthen our faith in a time of waiting? There is still time and room for you to sign up and, and get into that. You should get into that group study. Or Financial Peace University. Finances are not our foundation. Jesus Christ is our foundation. And so learning biblical practices to finances will help us in the midst of the chaos. So I encourage you to do those two things, to learn to stand firm in Jesus so that when chaos happens, we hang on to the anchor of our souls, Jesus Christ. And as the peace of God transcends all understanding, overwhelms us by the goodness of God, and as we close and as we sing, we become a walking, talking, living, breathing testimony to an unbelieving world 